Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. And we have got a great show today. We're going to have a lot of fun. I've got Dr. Geraldine Telelove, and she's a metaphysician, an intuitive, a spiritual life coach and author. At the age of 57, following a turbulent journey through financial disaster, her life began again in the most unexpected and magical ways. Now, with a doctorate in metaphysical studies, she shares with others not only her wisdom and knowledge, but also the very practical steps needed to find their uniqueness, reach their full potential, and and live their dreams. Geraldine, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lee. I'm I've been very excited about this today, so <laughs> it's great to be here. Well, you know, and I'm honored that you're here because I know you've taken a little sabbatical. You've actually been on like an 18-month sabbatical, and you kind of it's been wonderful for you and your husband, and you kind of had that in- intuition before COVID. Um, you reflected and you thought maybe you needed some time out and I know we talked and you told me you were really feeling kind of worn out and and then COVID hit and now you're back where I think probably 90% of the people globally are asking the question where is life headed? (laughs) Well I certainly uh, yeah all of that Lee I've um, I have had a wonderful sabbatical and yes spirit or God or whatever name you like to use works in magical ways as we know and I just had this intuitive feeling that I needed to take some time out uh, about a month before COVID hit and it had it, it was just the best thing that I've done in a long time so I took myself out of action, out of my work, out of everything. And my husband had just retired as well. So we had this amazing time to sit back and really reflect on so many things, Lee, and things that I hadn't had time to reflect on uh, because life had just been so busy. So being me, I... I love to write lists, Lee, and I love to ask myself questions, and it just kind of helps me through the whole process. And I had to really ask myself uh, some big questions, even, I guess, during the sabbatical of, I had to look at self and question what was really important in my life. And as I wrote the questions and thought about it, I'd rush back and jot down the ideas that came to me, particularly while I was out in the garden, because we just love to garden. We love to live um, on our own organic fruit and veggies and all those sorts of things. So I had plenty of time to reflect and time to think and uh, put some goals into action that had always been on the back burner. And so it was great to have that time. But it was also time to enjoy the quiet. I'm not sure about you, but here in Australia, even the skies went quiet. Um, 
we're about an hour out of Melbourne and we're kind of in the flight path uh, for planes flying to Sydney in New South Wales. And all of a sudden, the whole sky went quiet and, and we just seemed to have no noise. And boy, is that a time where you really have to reflect on life. <laughs> did you find the same, Lee? Well, you know, I did. I found like life just generally slowed down. There weren't as many cars on the street. There's, there weren't as many people in the grocery store. I didn't go to the grocery store like I used to. I went prepared to, you know, for a week. And there was just a sense of quietness. And I found it comforting, to be honest with you, Geraldine, because I, too, was at a point in my life where I needed to slow down. And my business was shut for five weeks. And that was a time for me. I started to paint. I actually have a painting hanging in my office. It it was my heart and soul. And I painted it and I showed one of my sons and he's like, oh, mom, you really ought to frame it. And I said, well, honey, you know, it's really not that good. He said, I know, mom, but if you frame it, it'll really finish it off nicely. And so I did. And I and I was so glad that I did that. But never. I mean, because I love abstract art. I love contemporary. So it wasn't that I was trying to paint a picture. It was just expressing myself with paint on canvas and just kind of following my heart. And I thought, never would I have taken the time to just let it be if if I hadn't had the time off. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it, what time that bit of quiet time does for the for our whole well-being um physically emotionally and spiritually i think lee it's just absolutely amazing and to just sit in the quiet does wonderful things and i know look it's very difficult for people uh in some instances to take that time out and we worry and stress about how it's going to end up and how are we going to survive and all of those things. But I think if we just go with the flow, if we can somehow do that, and I know for me, it's more like, well, I can't really do anything about it. So I may as well enjoy the moment and really put myself into the present moment and take the time to embrace it and go with it and it's amazing what you discover about yourself those little hidden things yeah but but, you know some people that's really really hard for at the brain performance center i work with a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression and for those people for the now the people with really bad anxiety this was a great time for them they didn't want to get out They didn't want to be around all these other people anyway. But for people with depression, it it wasn't such a great time because it really kind of, you know, I I kind of work off that autonomic nervous system. And when the sympathetic takes over, you go in that fight or flight mode. And that's when you get anxious. 
And then when the parasympathetic takes over, that's when you kind of get numb and just want to lay on the floor and in that fetal position. And I think that's when depression takes over. And I think when a lot of people got locked into that parasympathetic state, it increased their depression. And so for a lot of people, I mean, you've got a doctorate in metaphysical studies and not everybody understands that approach. Talk to me about that. Well, Lee, I have to go back quite a number of years, I guess, to explain, I suppose, first how I got into it and why I got into it. Because as you mentioned uh, in during the introduction of your show today, we went through an incredibly fearful and uh, anxious time about oh, 15 years ago, I guess it is now or even longer. But um, we went through a time of complete and utter financial meltdown, and that was not a pretty place to be. Um, most of our friends were talking about retirement and all the exciting things they were going to do, and we were uh, 58, I think, uh, and staring down the barrel of of absolutely nothing. We lost everything and more. So I remember driving out the driveway of our property and it was, you know, it was a couple of million dollars, this property. It, that's what it was really worth. And um, having had to sell everything and all we had was in the back of a trailer behind our car. And that's not a nice place to be when you've had it all, basically, up until that point. And fear was just unbelievable within both of us and the anxiety and and it was the thought of how am I going to survive today let alone into the future how am I going to survive the next week how are we going to put food on the table how are we how are we going to find somewhere to live and we you know we had the support of three beautiful children they were just fantastic but, you know, we figured we'd got ourselves into this mess, so we had to get ourselves out of it one way or other. And so we took off to Melbourne. At that point, we were living in the country, so we took off back to Melbourne and we found a place to live. And at this point, we were living on a credit card. And um, we both decided that to we knew in our hearts that we had to overcome this fear because as you've just mentioned Lee fear takes you into this incredible depression and a state that we don't really want to be in uh, and so I we both figured we had to do whatever we could to at least relieve some of that fear and so we began by looking at uh, some practical things that we could do to actually get us out of that state. And so we thought, right, what do we have to do immediately to get enough money to at least feed ourselves and house ourselves? And so that's what we did. And we did we worked at whatever we could 
uh, I cleaned houses and um, Bill worked in a factory. We were both very well educated, but there didn't seem to be work anywhere for us. So we just, and there's nothing wrong with working in factories and cleaning. And uh, in fact, it was the best thing we could have done for ourselves. We got back to a very simple way of living and we had money coming in so that we could actually buy food and we could pay the rent. And then we went about seeing a financial manager who could help us to see a way forward, how we could uh, talk to banks, talk to credit societies, whatever we had to do and work out plans of action with them. And suddenly there was just this tiny little, I don't know, prick of light at the end of the tunnel. But I knew in my heart that there was so much more to this. Because I think we all understand, Lee, that there is a universal law of cause and effect. Scientists would say action and reaction. And if you look at uh, the Bible, it would say, as you sow, so shall you reap. So I knew there was far more behind this. And <laughs> to be perfectly blunt, and I didn't really want to face it, that I was the cause of the effect that we were experiencing. And so this was how I got into metaphysics. I thought, there's, I know other people have gone through this and I know other people have got out of it and I want to know how they've done it uh, apart from the practical steps that we'd already decided to take. And so I began to study and I began to read and I must admit I became a little bit obsessed with it and uh, once I started I couldn't I just couldn't stop. I just got into metaphysics in such a big way. And I loved the fact that it was very practical. I could see, okay, this is what I need to do to change my thoughts, my beliefs, my perceptions around my life, uh, because that's really the root cause of what has happened to us. And please tell me, Lee, if I'm talking too much. I get a bit carried away. No, <laughs> no. Geraldine, your story is fascinating because here is a lady that had everything. And then out of, and I think based on what you just said, out of acts that, you know, you were responsible for, you had nothing. And, you know, that's a big choice. And many times it's easier to play the poor, 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 pitiful me card. How did this happen? And, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get out of this. And who's going to fix this for me? And it sounds like you didn't. I mean, you said, okay, I have to eat. Um, if I have to clean houses, I, I can do it very smartly and with pride. And you did. So, I mean, I just think that's a, a story that probably 75% of the people out there can identify with. 
Well, I have to uh, admit, Lee, that I I did have a bit of a pity party for a while. <laughs> um, it was interesting. I remember, I still remember uh, the day that I I dragged myself out of bed because I was really depressed uh, and really down and out. Dragged myself out of bed and I walked to the living room where my husband was and I said, okay, this has to stop. This has to change. I can no longer live this way. And it was really interesting because he said, wow, you probably won't believe this, Geraldine, but I've had exactly the same thought overnight. I can no longer afford to think negative thoughts. I have to change and I have to look at this from a positive perspective. And, and Lee, I know sometimes it takes a very long time, but if we go through these challenging times and then we finally see a light at the end of the tunnel, we can look back and at our lives and go, well, that really did happen for a very good reason. And for both of us, it, it, there was a, an extremely good reason. We both had to, I guess, change the way we were living, the way we were looking at life. The, uh, we were living on the edge all the time. We were so stressed out. We were um, just working so hard and such long hours and it wasn't going to uh, work that way anyway. But this challenge in our lives brought us both back to what was real and what was important in life and how we could deal with that. I guess we were very fortunate that we had such a fabulous relationship uh, between the two of us. And we both worked together on it and we could both kind of take a step forward. Mind you, some days I took one step forward and 10 steps back, as we all know, that's how it happens. But metaphysics was just the thing that really helped me understand how I was operating and and I certainly had to go about looking at the thoughts I had every day, the beliefs that I had, the really deep-seated beliefs that I had that had to be changed around money and around life. And so metaphysics helped me to do that. And I know the work that you do, Lee, is amazing in helping people to understand how they can take things and affect change in their lives, amazing change. I, well, you I'm know, sure you're I'm so, right there. <laughs> but you're so right because it all starts with what you're thinking. And negative thoughts create negative feelings that creates negative behaviors. And people say, well, you know, I'm like, do you get stuck in your head? And you can just see that, yes, I do, you know. And so where does it come from? And then they look at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, well, have you ever met my two really good friends? And they're like, no. I said, you don't know should and must? And then I'll see a smile come. I'm like, 
oh, for the longest time, should and must were really good friends of mine. They were always in my head. And then they got these two new friends, shame and blame. And well, no wonder things aren't happening, Lee. It's all your fault. You didn't do what you should have done. And it got to a point, I think I was at the point where your husband was, it's like, okay. I said, I, I have no more shoulds. I have coulds now. And I rephrased it. Well, I could do that. And when I looked at it that way, well, okay, if I did it, what would happen? Oh, I like that. Oh, that's not so good. Huh? That's okay. Okay, I'll do it. So it's being able to reframe those negative thoughts and, you know, we've got the shoulds, we've got the coulds, we've got all or nothing thinking where everything has to be perfect. And, and at some point in our life, I honestly believe we're all going to be there. I think so, too, Lee. And we had a little rule in our house. You were allowed to have a little bit of time out. If you were going to start thinking negatively, Okay, you had to give yourself a time limit. So if it took one minute, I mean, some days I had to give myself a whole half a day because I, I just had to do that. Um, and then I thought, right, okay, this now has to come back to perhaps two hours. But that's all. And once that time was up, you know, eventually we got it back to a minute. You can have a minute and then it has to stop. And the time limit just got smaller and smaller. And then we could uh, take hold of that negative thinking. But at least we brought it back gradually because to change it completely sometimes is a bit of a challenge. I think it's always a challenge to change it completely because, you know, most of the time, We'll be sitting there and, and we won't even realize that those little ants, those automatic negative thoughts, we don't even know that they've run through our head because they're so fast and they're so furious. All of a sudden we're irritated or I'm grumpy or I'm sad or I'm worried. And I'm like, you know, where, you don't even stop and ask yourself, check in with yourself. Where did that come from? Why are you feeling that way? And that's one of the things that I really coach people to do is self check-ins. I mean, if there are days that I have to check in with myself probably seven or eight times. Those, those, <laughs> those aren't my is. best days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think most of us would find that, Lee. <laughs> it happens yeah. so quickly, doesn't it? Yes. It does. But what if you can realize, oh, I just had a negative thought. And, you know, I say, catch those little ants. But you have to pay attention. You have to check in. Why am I so mad all of a sudden? You know, or why am I so frustrated with my partner? I mean, he really didn't even say anything. Um, so I think that 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 is such a great step. And I love your strategy on giving yourself time out. I mean, because it is OK to not be OK. Most definitely. And I think being not OK sometimes and if we recognize that, Lee, we can see the difference in how we're feeling and how we're acting by giving us that time out and becoming really conscious of that, of how we're reacting to things. 
So Geraldine, how long did it take you once you both made up your mind, which is really nice that you did it at the same time, then how long did it take you to push through to the other side? Oh, <laughs> it didn't happen quickly, Lee. <laughs> it never does. No. <laughs> lots of little pity parties, lots of the blame game, um, but slowly and surely, I think over a period of about six to 12 months, we really began to turn things around and began to see that if anything was going to change in our lives, we were the ones who were going to do it. Yes, we could get practical advice from many people in the financial sectors, and that was absolutely essential and absolutely fantastic, but we still had to do it. And we knew at this point that we were the cause of all the effects that we were uh, experiencing. So we had to work at it and work at it. The same as we work at anything, Lee. It all takes time, doesn't it? You, you really, if you really want something, we have to work at it. Well, you're so right. I mean, things do just not happen. It's just not going to be your, quote, lucky day and things are going to happen for you. You have to have goals and you have to, you know, have to, those goals have to be smart goals. They have to be specific and measurable and achievable and realistic and time bound. Because if you say, okay, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to start three new companies. Okay. Well, what kind, when, where, you know, how? And I think that's where a lot of people, they really, they get caught up in not being able to move forward is, and this is an interesting fact, back in 1979, Harvard Business School did a study of their MBA class. Only 10% of the MBA class had written down goals. No, mm. only 10% had goals. Only 3% had written down goals. And they tracked that. Everybody that had a goal established made at least twice what the rest of the class made. The people that had written them down made as much as three times more. And I heard that and I, I write everything down now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do too, Lee, if I don't. And, but I think it, there's more to it than that too. It really gets your head straight. If you write it down, it's in front of you. And to me, it gets my head straight. I can really see what I'm working with. And if I don't write it down, it's just still in my head. I have it to get it out round of me. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, and, and for so many people, it is very, very hard to, to stop, you know, stop that loop in your head. And you have to think about it if you're going to write it down. And, you know, because then you think, well, is that really what I mean? No, no, that's not what I mean. Then you have to go through, well, what do you mean? Uh, but I agree with you, Geraldine. Writing down is such a great process. And, you know, you're a spiritual life coach and you're an intuitive. And I'm sure you have many other strategies that you can share with us. There's people need guidance. I need guidance. And I'm always interested in hearing how I can do something better. Stay with us, and after break, you can learn more. We'll be back 
after these messages. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to The Living Room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We are saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. for a long time that diamonds are precious or worth a lot of due to rumors. That means money. Did you ever wonder how a polished pebble becomes one of the most expensive things on earth? Two centuries ago, diamonds were worn only by royalty. But in 1870, miners discovered huge deposits of diamonds in South Africa. And soon after, the diamond market was flooded. That's when a man named Cecil Rhodes started buying up shares of the diamond mines. Eighteen years later, Rhodes controlled the entire South African supply of diamonds. He started his own newspaper and magazine articles with clever ad campaigns about cut, clarity, color, and carrot. He also convinced women that they weren't truly engaged to be married without a diamond ring. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back. And what I found working with my clients, depressed, anxious, even those that have ADHD, cognitive difficulties, it's almost like they ignore their intuition. And I think that that's something that is so will give you so many more answers if you can learn how to tap into it and learn how to trust it. And this is a true fact, Geraldine. Every second, your brain is capable of taking in 11 million bits of data. The research shows that the most you can process on a conscious level is 40 to 126. Personally, I go with the 40, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) We don't have to do the math. It all goes to your subconscious. And, you know, many times I'll go to sleep at night and I'll be, you know, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to make that decision. I am, you know, I've got to. And I wake up in the morning and that decision's been made. And that decision was made in my subconscious. And I look at intuition as a, as a way to tap into your subconscious. How do you look at intuition? Well, to begin with, um, Lee, We all have intuition, but once again, as you would look at training the brain to work in its very best ways to help people with their lives, intuition, we have to train that as well. We're all born with this amazing ability, uh, which is called intuition. But sometimes we're so busy with life and we're so stressed out with life 
that we forget about it. And I have so many clients who come to me for in, for intuitive readings and they say, no, my, my intuition just doesn't work. I don't have intuition. Well, guess what? You do. We all have it. It's a gift that we're given. It's just learning how to tap into that intuition and use it in the best possible ways to uh, help us to make decisions and set goals and all of those things that we love to do in life. Now, how do we tap into that intuition? We have to get quiet. And getting quiet is very difficult in our busy, busy world and our busyness of life. Uh, but if we want to train our intuition and train ourselves to tap into it and use it, then we must find quiet time or time out. And of course, I'm a great believer in meditation. I couldn't go through a day without meditating. Now, did I always do this? No, I didn't. But when I started um, my journey into metaphysics and uh, that little world opened up so much to me, including um, the importance, I guess, of meditating every single day. And as we know, Lee, if we can get the mind quiet, we can tap into that uh, unconscious state. And in that unconscious state, so many things rise to the surface that can't get out because we're too busy stressing about what happened yesterday and what's going to happen tomorrow and what we haven't done and what we like you saying, Lee, what we should have done and what we didn't do and the whole blame game on self raises its little head again. But by quietening down the mind and those thoughts and meditating, and now meditation, I have to take a step back here, Lee, if that's okay with you, Um Meditation is not necessarily sitting cross-legged in the lotus position and, and you know, calling om. And there's nothing wrong with meditating that way. Let me please say that too. But a lot of people, and my, including myself, I could not do that to start with. I just couldn't get into that state. And I think this is where the difficulty lies in many, many people. So what I decided to do to begin with was to walk out in nature. Mother Nature has the most amazing ability to help us quieten down. It helps us also helps to energize us in ways that uh, we just don't understand. And you and I both know that you can take, you can be as busy and as stressed as can be, and you take yourself outside and you walk, I don't know, in the park even, and sit under a tree, and suddenly you feel so much better within yourself. So I decided that my way into meditation was walking. And I would begin 
by just living in the present moment. So I gave myself permission and to start with, it was five minutes late. I didn't try and meditate for two hours. I just thought, right, if I can stay in the present moment for five minutes, and how did I do that? I focused on the clouds in the sky, on the breeze in the trees or the wind in the trees. I focused on the birds, on the flowers. I focused on the grass waving in the wind. All of those things just for five minutes. I could turn down the, the thoughts and the mind and I could allow the unconscious mind to begin working for me. And then I moved that out to uh, 10 minutes and then I got all the way to an hour. And today, these days, I walk for an hour every day. Now, most people will throw their hands in the air immediately and go, I don't have time for that. Well, guess what? If you want this to work, you make time. You really make time. So I take myself out very early in the morning, get up early. I walk for an hour. I also, <laughs> I know, I know, I can hear it already, the voices. I also spend an hour of meditation time in the afternoon or evening. And, and this is how I operate because I've found it just changed my life completely. I can, during meditation or that walking time, walking meditation, I call it, everything just becomes clear. And I ask questions and the answers just flow. And I come home, my work time is halved because I'm not trying to figure out under stress what I'm going to do. Have you found that too, Lee? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and that's when you when you get to that point where you realize it, then it's like, oh, you know, OK, what what to, what am I going to do? And, you know, the most times I knew the answers. It was just <laughs> <laughs> I knew the answers when I slowed down and asked myself the question. It was just, you know, OK, that's a commitment, because if I'm going to do it. Once I once you get me on the right path, I'm I'm tenacious. <laughs> I'll stay on it. Getting me on the right path can be a bit of a challenge at times, but but you know yeah. I think that we talk about how I talk about with my clients how changing those negative thoughts they can also change what's going on in the brain, you know, and being outside. I mean, gosh, that increases the dopamine in the brain, those neurotransmitters. And when you get rid of those negative thoughts, you have more serotonin going in the brain. Life just gets a whole lot better. I mean, the brain is only three pounds, but I honestly believe it controls everything we do, we say, we think, every action we make, and those that we don't make. And the other thing too, Lee, talking about intuition is actually trusting the answers that come. And this is this is a big hurdle for lots of people. Um, 
I, I talk in terms of spirit, my spirit that's talking to me in those quiet times, because that's the unconscious part of me telling me the answers. And, and spirit only talks in very few words. It doesn't have a long conversation with you in, you know, 24 sentences. It often only gives you maybe two or three words, but you have to trust what comes and work with that. So people say, well, I ask questions, Geraldine, but nothing ever comes. Well, I guarantee you it does. But as I did when I first began to work with my intuition, I would question it every time, you know, I'd ask a question and it comes immediately. The answer just appears. And then I'd, I'd start saying to myself, oh, could it be that simple? Is, is that really the answer? Is that how it happens? No, it can't be, you know, and you question it over and over. And then you decide, no, that that couldn't be right. And down the track, you discover, well, yes, you did have the answer right from the word go. But it's trusting what comes to you through that unconscious mind. Uh, or as I would call it, that spirit that's flowing through you constantly. It's It flows within you all the time. But we have to get out of the way to allow it to speak through us. So... When you get into that quiet space and you ask the questions of your unconscious mind, trust what comes. And if it's just one word, then ask the question again. So what did you mean by that? And another couple of words might come and eventually you slowly get to work with it. And Till you get to that point, I know now for me when I go walking, I just chat away as if I'm having a conversation. If people only knew what was going on <laughs> in your head. Think, oh my good look yeah, look at that crazy woman. Honestly, she's talking to herself. Well, yes, I am talking to myself. I, I'm having a conversation with this most amazing uh, spirit self that is within me. And see, that's the other thing, too. People feel it's coming from without, outside of them. It's coming from within you. And it's flowing through you constantly. But you just have to get out of the way to hear it and listen to it and take the advice that it brings. Well, you know, and I find so. sometimes, you know, in, in a counseling session or, or performance coaching session, the, they'll say, Oh, that's so simple. I, I think it's more complex than that, Lee. Okay, so you go back and you go back through it again. You break it down again. You reprocess it. And they're like, oh, maybe it's not as complex as I thought it was. So we'll <laughs> go back through it again. We'll break it down and again. And usually, you know, it usually takes at least three times to say, wow, maybe it is that simple. Why are we looking for this complex, this, this, you know, I think we're looking for grand things and the, it's the little things in life 
that improve our quality of life, that improve our relationships, that improve our spiritual connections. It's the little things. It certainly is. It's always very simple. And we love to make it complex, as you say, Lee. We love to see, well, I don't know what it is. We just seem to think it needs to be uh, these grand things that occur. And it really is just so simple. And as I say, it could be one, two, three words that we hear. And if we really think about that in simple terms, the answers are there right in front of us. And they've been staring us in the face all the time. Uh, and it, it, we just, if we go with that, it's amazing what comes out of that. And yes, life is meant to be simple. Well, and I think, you know, we have to be honest. The last 17 months we've been in a pandemic and life has gotten a lot harder. Kids can't go to school. We can't go out and do what we want to go, you know, do what we want to do. You know, you for a long time, I couldn't even go to church, um, couldn't go to the gym. Life just got so much more complex. And I think that's put a lot of us on edge. And I think that ugly, ugly four-letter word, fear, comes rolling out bigger and badder than ever. Most definitely, Lee. Um, the fear around it has, you can feel it. You can feel it in in your own life. You can feel it in the community. And, of course, now, because we're such a global community, you can feel it uh, as this energy flowing right across the, the world. And how we deal with that from, well, I'm not sure about others, Lee, but once again, I had to use my same, the same steps that I used basically in my um, overcoming financial issues. The fear was there and I had to deal with it again. And I had to look at and go, what can I do in a practical sense to overcome this fear first? And then... Once I'd put those, I have to build my immune system. I have to look at how I can wear a mask, protect myself. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I live in these times? So I, I took all those practical steps and um, I had to look at it too from a community point of view. It wasn't just my life that I had to look after. It was the whole community that I had to look after because I think in all of this situation or pandemic, uh, we saw the very best of people and we saw the worst of people. But if we focused on how many folks were just able to lift themselves up and help others, took care of others, made sure they were okay, brought them food, did whatever they could, sat outside on the footpath and had conversations through windows just so that people wouldn't be lonely. It was, it was just wonderful to see how people reacted and helped others. And as you know, by taking yourself out of yourself, 
and looking after others, you feel so much better within yourself anyway. And the fear kind of disappears a bit for a time. Uh, but then I think we also have to once again look at, um, I guess, what's causing or what is behind the fear within me in these times. Is it that I can't earn a living? Is it that I'm worried about dying? Is it uh, my family? I, there are so many fears around the whole COVID thing. But I know we can take steps in order to protect ourselves and protect our communities and just lower that fear. And a big one, and I'm not sure how it was for you, Lee, or how it is in your community, uh, at the moment here in Australia, and we were lucky we didn't feel the effects that many countries did around the world. We're an island and we were able to lock ourselves down, basically. But we, um, a big thing at the moment, of course, is the vaccination, the whole vaccination. And I didn't want to be vaccinated. I, I thought, how, how do I deal with this? Because I don't like putting things into my body that don't need to be there. But I looked at it from a metaphysical point of view, and that really helped me. You know, from metaphysics and scientifically, everything is energy. Everything in this life is energy. And so, and everything in this life has a consciousness. And so I looked at the vaccine and I thought, is this going to assist me? And more importantly, how is this going to help the community around me? And how is it going to help my children and our grandchildren? And I figured, this is probably one thing I can do, but how am I going to come to terms with it? So I looked at the vaccine itself as an energy. And I know this sounds really crazy and out there, Lee, but I became friends with the vaccine before I had it. I decided this was the way I was going to deal with it. So I made friends with it. I got to know it at an unconscious level. And I said, righto, this is my body. I'm inviting you into my body and you can collaborate with me in making sure that I stay safe, my community stays safe, my family stays safe. And that's how I dealt with it. I just love that, that, Geraldine. I love that. And, you know, just to kind of on a more positive note, I use that. I've just start, decided that I want to learn how to play golf. And the first three times I went for a, to hit balls, the wind was awful. And as soon as I got out there and it was windy, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be terrible. I'm not even going to. The fourth time I went out there and it was windy and I stopped and I took a deep breath and I said, the wind is my friend. And I visualized the wind getting behind the golf ball and taking it even further. And but it's the same thing. It's much simpler, you know, mine is than yours, but you have to lean into it. You have to accept it. And I can't change the wind, but I can change. Am I afraid of it? Am I afraid it's going to ruin? Well, I don't have a golf game. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
<laughs> yeah, we won't even go there. But but you know, instead of being afraid of how it was going to hurt me, I decided the wind is my friend. And I say that every single time I go to hit a golf ball, because every single time I do, it's windy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, but, but that's and such it, good advice it, it, for people. Well, if you make friends with it, and I was very firm with it, Lee. Yes, you are my friend, and you are you are going to collaborate with me, but you're not going to take over my body because this is my body, and this is the way I speak to things. I know it sounds way out there, Lee, but it's 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 just a fabulous way for me to come to terms with it. And I, I, and it is my friend. I, I talk to it, and I, it is my friend, and it sits within me. And now we can collaborate together. And it's, I know, I have the firm belief it's not going to interfere with my body. The only time it'll be there is when I need it, and I need to protect. It needs to protect me. I see it as a warrior. And it's there to work for me when I need it. But apart from that, it just sits there as my friend. <laughs> I think that is such an amazing, you know, takeaway for our listeners that because we all we always worry about things we can't control. You let that in and you said, let me tell you how this is going to roll. And, yes. and, and you did. And by doing that. You are in control. Absolutely, because this is my body. And, and, you know, I like to know what's going on inside my body, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so, yeah, that's the way I dealt with it. Well, I hope that there are many people that will that will try that because, you know, it's it, it's a great way to get through some of our biggest challenges. And we're not through the pandemic yet. And I know that a lot of people struggle struggle with the vaccine and struggle with the future. But I think just if you could sum that up for them in like a minute, what would you tell them to do? Uh, oh, Lee, I, look, <clears throat> I, everybody has a choice. Everybody has a choice. And whether you want to get vaccinated or not during this time, that's entirely your decision. I would just simply suggest that you go back to this universal law of cause and effect. Um, I have a choice to make as the cause, but then I have to understand the effects of that choice. So what choice am I going to make that will have a fabulous effect, not just for me, but for my family, my extended family, and my community. What will, what choice will I make, and how will that affect me now and into the future? Uh, I hope that helps, Lee. That helps tremendously. And Geraldine, if people wanted to learn more about you or find you, how would they do that? They would simply go to GeraldineTegelove.com. That's a really big name to look for. <laughs> but I'm sure you will find me 
uh, the, out there. So, yes. And that's Tegelove. That's T-E-G-G-E-L-O-V-E. Geraldine, thank, thank you. you so much for being with me today. You've certainly my improved pleasure. my thought process. My pleasure. Thanks, Lee. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio.